Lucky you. 36 best holes in golf. Alternate Shots Podcast. Barney's Army. Where we talk about golf. Sandy. Poker. James Bond. Horse racing. Double. Classic movies. Zenyatta. We have no script. Down the stretch they come. We are glad you joined us. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. (laughs) So, Billy, how freaking happy are we today? We have um, one of the senior members at Wingfoot. And I say that kindly because he can still beat my tail without any shots from the same tees. Still one of the best putters at Wingfoot, none other than Hank Malfa. How you doing, Hank? I'm doing great, guys. Glad to join you. Not <laughs> only are you such a long-standing and respected member, you are a professional cat herderer for running <laughs> the shootouts and things like that. And believe me, if you if you've ever had to herd cats, you know what a job that is. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Hank, I bring up this picture here because you know you're like me and Billy. You know, you kind of want to start your day with a little drive or maybe take your dog for a walk or or just go out at Wingfoot. I'm sure you've seen this picture that Billy captured so beautifully one winter. Yeah, it is a gorgeous picture. But it, but the lake's not frozen. We're gonna get to that frozen story another <laughs> later on. But tell okay. us what it was like as a young man back in the Oh, the early 60s, right? You joined Wingfoot, was it? Early 60s, you're a young man, a businessman running a big advertising firm? Well, I wasn't running it then. They were running me at the time. But uh, a good friend of mine was Walter Kolb. And uh, he called me up one time. He was the president of Wingfoot for the second time, and they wanted to get his picture. So he, he called me up and said, look, you know everything. Get me a good photographer to take my picture. So I I got that we went and took his picture to be hung up in the boardroom with all the other presidents and uh he said come on i'll take you to lunch you're too cheap to take me to lunch he was a tough guy but he was a beautiful man and so we started talking and uh he found out that i like golf he said well come on over to wingfoot i said what do you mean come on over he said, yeah yeah i'll sponsor you just come over and and he just waved his hand it was very casual kind of thing and uh so uh, my wife and I, who was, by the way, very, very young lady at the time, uh, went and appeared at Wingfoot one Friday night, and Walter Kolb wasn't there. He was, I was told by the manager he was fishing in Alaska, and I was scared to death. We went upstairs to the boardroom, and all these grim faces looking at me and my wife and uh Somebody said to me, I think it was Lee uh, Gagliotti said, uh, what's your handicap? I said, well, I don't have a handicap. What do you generally shoot? I said, I shoot in the low 80s. He said, good. Then somebody else, I think it was a guy by the name of Smith, who was a Marine, said to my wife, do you play golf? And she said, no. And that was it. We walked out of the room. And on Tuesday, the following week, I got a note from Lee Gagliotti. He said, welcome to Wingfoot. And that was that was the kind of process that we had in those days. Well, you were a pretty cool, calm, and self-confident guy. That was a, a, a moment you don't forget. And that's, what, 60 years ago? Yeah, 60 years ago. Uh, I, I must tell you that not only me, but all of the fellows I played with for the first 10 years of our membership were always scared about Wingfoot. We didn't want to do the wrong thing ever, you know? And I it still was a, like, I'm still like that. You still like that, really? Yeah. Well, that surprises me because you seem so confident. But uh, we were we were worried about making sure we did the right thing. I, you know, as a new kid, I didn't know anybody. And uh, 
I used to get to Wingfoot early, have breakfast on Saturday morning. And uh, there was a guy by the name of Sammy Neal, who was a terrific player and a, and a sort of an organizer kind of guy. And he would say, hey, you want to play? And what they do is they would match up players and uh, there'd be an A, B and a C player. And, and I was probably the D player in the group. Hmm. And we'd go out and we'd play, uh, you know, uh, well, they picked the West course on Saturday and the East course on Sunday, that kind of thing. And we played with guys like uh, uh, the Kuntzes and we played with uh, um, Murph and, uh, and uh, Ford White and, and those kind of guys, Ray Mortel. And uh, Sammy would organize the games and we'd go out and that's how we played. We never made games in advance. We'd just show up on Saturday and Sunday and play. So you made breakfast. You had breakfast. By the time you were halfway through your sliders and baggers, you had a game for both Saturday and Sunday, right? That's right. No phone calls, no emails. No, no, no more than that, right? No starting times. And I suppose if you came later, let's say you had to do something in the morning, you'd go through and Ralph or whoever this locker man back now. Ralph was a locker man back then, right? Ralph, Ralph, Ralph Marone. Marone. Yep. Total gentleman, wonderful man. If you missed, if you missed the Sammy Neal starting time, Ralph would always arrange a game for you. Yeah, he was a wonderful man. He he was wonderful. Uh, he would always impress my guests uh, with that because he he met them once and he knew them forever. Oh, I don't think they were playing the Junk Wolf game yet because <clears throat> that was that was invented way later. But I I assume you were playing something more exciting than the than a closeout. Now, we so played was, a. Uh, we, you know, I mean, you got to understand that the caddy fees going way back were like about five bucks. And so we'd play a five dollar Nassau, which was, you know, I would I would if I lost a lot of money, I'd say to myself, I'm not going to eat very good lunch next week. Uh, but we played a five dollar Nassau, which was in those days a pretty substantial amount of money. Sure, because there's your caddy fee right there. Yeah. By the way, you know, the caddy master was was an interesting guy. Gene Hayden was the, the gruff guy that, that sort of leaned over that Dutch door where the caddy master sits. And he knew everything that was going on. And uh, he was a tough guy. He was a you know, tough, like every, like all those old timers were. And uh, if a caddy ever miss made a misstep, he'd say down the road <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he'd ban the guy for a month or so, you know, and the guy's life, life lived you know the way to made his living so it was, he was an interesting character but he was a, a very as you got to know him he was a really again another lovable wingfoot guy fixture he must have been real. instrumental in developing such a great caddy program that like that we have now yeah well i think that he was the start of it and i think that pat collins learned a lot from him pat was his number one guy for a long time and then pat took over and pat Pat did a marvelous job from seven o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock at night. He was there and, yeah. you know, ready to ready to roll. We were back team players, basically, but we still played in, you know, three and a half hours, I think. It was kind of important to play in three and a half hours, by the way, because we'd start off early and then finish 18 holes and have to go over to the pool, be with our wives and kids. I went to, to scratch handicap as a senior, but 
as a uh, as a young guy playing with Donnie Edwards, he was a better player than me. He was probably a zero, and I might have been about a, a three or something like that. And once I retired, I retired early. I was out there hitting balls, you know, a lot and playing a lot. I remember there was a stretch of, of time where I probably played about 45 or 50 days in a row where I didn't miss around. Uh, you know, uh, there was tournaments on, Wakeful was closed on Monday, but there were tournaments on Monday. And then we played Tuesday, Wednesday, and right through the weekend. So we just played more. And uh, you remember the, the gang behind the hedge. Yes. The gang behind the hedge was led by Donnie Edwards, Joe Davis, Jay Fitzgerald, Buddy Stewart, all those guys hitting balls and trading tricks back and forth about Tell how us to- about the hedge though. Some people don't know about the hedge. Well, the hedge, the hedge was a great place. Uh, um, that tea is, you know, used for when they have a, an open, as you know, but it was used by about, oh, maybe 10 guys every night. Um, uh, Buddy Stewart was out there. Donnie Edwards was there all the time. Joe Davis, uh, Neil Christie, Bobby Christie. And we all had to mark our balls differently because we were all hitting out the fairway. So out into nine East fairway, right? That's exactly right. And, and, and then we, we'd all quit at the same time. We'd go out and pick up the balls and then go back to the tee and give each guy his, his proper golf balls, you know, back and forth. But, uh, it was a it was a great group, but we also we learned a lot from each other. Donnie was a was a very good golf guy. He used to take lessons from the best pros in the world, and he'd pass on his uh, learning to other people. And so we we all benefited from his knowledge of the game. How is it you were such a good putter? Uh, probably always a good putter at Wingfoot, even when you were a ten handicap. There was a guy at Wingfoot. Well, I, first of all. Um, I had a wife that loved to play tennis. And so I had a lot of free time to go and practice because she was playing tennis and I was practicing. But I used to go to the putting green a lot. And there was a member who was one of the great players, one of the great competitive players at Wingfoot by the name of Bob Wilkie. And Wilkie and I would go around that putting green, which I missed, by the way. It was a the great clock. putting green. The, the clock. clock. I miss it too. Yeah. We'd go around it about three or four times and uh we he every time we'd go around it was 18 holes for a coke and after a year i probably owed him about 300 cokes bob <laughs> wilkie was a fabulous competitor and a good putter but he taught me a lot about putting and the thing that wilkie said was you know the wingfoot greens have always been the fastest greens in the area and he said with these speedy greens you never put the ball when you have a three footer outside the hole, you put it inside the corner or on the lip at the most and just hit it firm. And so I sort of learned that firm stroke, by the way, I got to go digress for a moment because I learned the stroke from a guy by the name of Spencer Daly, who was one of the best putters in the history of Wingfoot. Uh, in the year he won the club championship, he three putted once or twice the whole year. So I learned that stroke and then competing with Wilkie on the greens, maybe two nights a week, every night of the summer was, was a pretty good coaching lesson on how to putt. Back then they had as many good golfers as today. Joe Gagliardi, didn't he get to the semifinals of the U S amateur? Didn't he get invited to the masters and things like that? Yeah. 
Yeah, they they were they were, you know, the Quinstons played at the Masters too. By the way, both Incredible. of them I think played at uh, at Augusta. Uh, they were both at the uh, U.S. Open. As a matter of fact, for for a number of years, Billy um, had the had the record of having the last hole in one at a, at the Open. It la- I think that record lasted about twenty years. Who this guy Ron Honig? who was a pretty darn tough four or three handicap, maybe got down to one or two. But how does a guy like that, no one's ever done it before, win the Wingfoot Club Championship and then win the, win the Senior Club Championship in the same year? How does that happen? You, you've you seen guys try to do that. You've tried he to do that. He had Collins on his bag. <laughs> you know, I, I watched that interview you did with Collins, by the way. He was awesome. He, he That was a great interview. His stories were just absolutely fabulous. But Bobby caddied for Honig for both the, the senior and the and the regular championship. And he read every putt and he gave him a tremendous amount of confidence. And he was, you know, he was one of the finest caddies probably in the history of Wingfoot. Now, I, I don't want to I don't want to demean any of the caddies there because we have so many great caddies. As a matter of fact, I've always thought the Wingfoot caddies with the best caddies I've ever experienced any place I've ever played. I totally agree. But I think that Collins boy was an unbelievable caddy. He had a very distinctive putting stroke, but when he got hot, he started making everything. And that's what happened. He had, he got hot for the, for the senior club championship, which was usually in July. And then he got hot for the club championship, you know, around Labor Day. My first year, I think as a, as a, uh, a senior, and um, watching him play gave me a lot of confidence. And I think in the following year, I won. And I no, said, I kept you thinking, won. if Honig could do it, I could do it. Everybody sure. really wanted their name up in that gold paint. Now, Hank, you've got it up there three times. That I got to congratulate. That's an awesome achievement. Getting I think balls so, yeah. on the range, even this year, I would be would be surprised if you could qualify again. <laughs> I don't know. I I've uh, I've I've put a few uh, surgeries on the record since since I won the thing, you know, both hips, both knees, the back. So I've, I'm slowed down a little bit, but I still love the game. And Maybe the foreground of the picture to give uh, people that are watching an idea of where, where you were hitting from originally. Yeah, that's right. Well, it was, it was, it was, there are two stories, basically. <laughs> um, Bobby, Bobby told the story the other day about Bobby me. Collins. Bobby Collins told the story about me trying to hit the ball, you know, open the face of the five wood and hit the ball on the green because I had a really long drive. It was easy to hit a long drive because the, <laughs> the uh, turf was frozen. But I hit a really long drive and I thought I could get home and I hit the tree and it dropped in the lake. And I and I started marching out in the lake and he said, what are you, crazy? I said, no, we're going out there. Well, he didn't know that that I had done that previously Maybe the week before I I hit it over the trees, but it didn't get far enough and it stopped out in the lake. So I walked out in the lake and I wedged it up on the green and made my par. He he well the following week when when I hit the one and it hit the it hit the tree and dropped down and that's when I walked out on the ice with him and he thought I was nuts but but you know we we survived. By the way, it was walking out. If you walk out on the ice, it creaks. And it scared the hell out of out of uh, out of Bobby. <laughs> yeah, he Wrong. said when you hit that wedge, he heard the crackle sound. He said, "Oh, that's <laughs> the end of it." Yeah, please don't hit behind the ball. That's right. 
the West course is my favorite golf course in the world. And I've played hundreds of golf courses around the world. Um, there are so many holes on the West course that I love that I, it's hard for me to pick one, but I was walking on this second hole the other day because I walk a lot on the course and I tried, you know, I wanted to go out and see the new tee that uh, Steve built uh, on the, on the sixth hole. And I walked on that second hole and I said to myself, this has got to be one of the greatest holes in golf, particularly now when it's 465 from the back tee. That is just such a spectacular hole. I love it. Yeah, it, 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 it's something else. What's your favorite green out there? Favorite green? Wow. I guess I figured 18th, my brother would have asked you that question, green, so I'm asking it. The 18th green, I think, is one of the hardest greens in golf to putt. It's it's so It's got so many subtleties. Uh, you can have two balls that are separated by a foot. And one breaks left and the other goes straight. You know, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just incredible. It's, Especially uh, that one coming down towards the fairway again breaks right. And if you look at it first, you think it's breaking left to right, but it yeah. breaks right to left. It's just it's just a it's just a great first of all, it's a great hole. It's one of my it's another one of my favorites. But the green there is probably my favorite green on the of all 36. Well, you know, there used to be a tree. Um directly right, behind yeah. the green right by the path yeah. and it got struck by lightning and and we went we took it out and when the guys couldn't cut it normally because it was filled with cement but we took it out and we put another tree in and i always thought that was great but frankly looking at that fic picture now i think it's better without the tree it's i think that's just one of the most gorgeous scenes in in golf when you look come out that arch and look down there, it's just beautiful. It's something else, isn't it? Yeah, it's, the world opens up to you and you can't feel anything but lucky to be walking through there. You know what? When you when I walk at Wingfoot and I walk a lot on the on the course, and I, I feel privileged to walk on the grass that every great player that's ever played the game has walked on. You and think every great player it. that hasn't been there yet is dying to get there. So Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I wear my Wingfoot hat down at uh, TPC Sawgrass and guys come up to me and said to me, say to me, you remember Wingfoot? And they have this great look on their face and saying, gee, can you, can you please, get me on the course? Please. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody wants to be there. Well, you know, I, I, uh, the playoff was, uh, was incredible. First of all, the putt that Norman made on, on the 18th hole, just to get to the playoff was unbelievable. But then the playoff was scheduled and I had to go to work. So I left the office at noon, got to Winkford at one o'clock and it was over. Fuzzy had dispatched Greg. I think Fuzzy birdied one and two and Norman bogeyed three. So Norman was three down right from the, you know, the Wingfoot greens are a big part of the defense of the golf course. I mean, uh, I was, uh, I was, you know, amazed at how well the, the the modern player played one west during the last open do you yeah. remember the pin in the sort of the middle left side yes little twirly area there these guys were firing in shots and and sucking it right back to the pin it was just it's just amazing yeah, but still in all they did you know even though they got it pretty close they still didn't make the putts you know they 
they walked off with pars instead of birdies. I think on three west, the toughest pin spot is or look a pin location. Back right. Back right. Three, Interesting. Three west. Back right. There's a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a knoll there, and uh, it's it's very hard to see. It's hard to putt. It's hard. First of all, it's hard to get your shot back there uh, without. And and now when you play it at two forty five, you don't have to worry of it going over the green like it used to. <laughs> you know, when it was playing two seventeen, guys would hit it over the green, and that would be you know hitting it over the green at Wingfoot's leads to bogeys. Yeah, but at two forty five, it's hard to get it back there, and uh, and then once you get it back there, it's also very hard putting. Ever had an ace at any of the par threes here? Have I had an ace on that hole? Any any hole, any of the par threes. I've had I had I had one there on three west. Wow. I had one on seven. I had two on three east, but I gotta go back to that in a second. And I had uh one on six east. But the one on the two on the two on on three east are pretty exciting and interesting. Both from the back tee, by the way. I had one with a six iron on three east and i had one with a nine iron wow and three <laughs> well this Both has been unbelievable same hole 140 yards same hole work this is unbelievable your time here is precious by quickly but you guys are terrific you know what when you when i walk at wingfoot and i walk a lot on the on the course and i i feel privileged to walk on the grass that every great player that's ever played the game has walked on. Thanks for joining Casper, us today. Billy Horner. We really appreciate your Double feedback. Indemnity. And please Marky. subscribe to Two the show Ratter. and hit Claude the bell Harmon. icon so you get notified Movie classics. of new episodes. Mark Gable. Hit them hard job. and hit them off. Best 36 holes.